Welcome to the long-awaited return of the We Earn Media Podcast. For season four, we have a ton of exciting guests lined up from a variety of publications, some of which cover verticals that we haven't covered before, because of course we want to continue spicing it up and keep this thing as fresh as possible. The first episode of the season is actually a perfect example of how we're doing just that. Jacqueline and I had the honor of interviewing Neil Freeman. He's the managing editor of Morning Brew, which is a newsletter that sends to more than 3.1 million readers around the world seven days a week. As one of the first employees at Morning Brew, Neil helped grow the brew's workforce from 3 to 120 and launched new newsletters, podcasts, and video products. Oh, and trivia. Neil writes a lot of trivia questions for the Morning Brew audience. And if you're familiar with Morning Brew, you'll know that they're very focused on covering the biggest stories of the day in business. So needless to say, Neil and his team are very selective about what they cover. Neil will get into this and other aspects of the newsletter that are definitely worth noting if they're one of your dream outlets to have a client published on. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the show, Neil. Jacqueline and I are super excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So let's begin. Can you give us a brief overview of the story that we'll be discussing today? Totally. So um, we Morning Brew is a startup media company, and uh, I run the daily newsletter operations. And for our new Sunday edition newsletter, we have rolled out a new feature that's an interview segment called Icebreakers, where we basically um, tried to ask, uh, you know, notable people in the news and business, uh, anything that would be relatable to our readers, a bunch of rapid fire questions. And so I've been, you know, trying to source guests for those, uh, those, that segment. And uh, I reached out to Pushkin Industries, which is a podcast company about getting Malcolm Gladwell on the podcast on, on our uh, Icebreakers edition. And uh, mm-hmm. I reached out to um, Nicole Morano at Pushkin Industries, and she said, "Sure, let's let's do Malcolm Gladwell." We conducted that interview. It went really well. She Nicole emailed me back saying it was great for their podcast downloads. They're super excited, and we'd love to work together in the future. A few weeks later, I got an email from Nicole saying, you know, we have a new a new season of the Happiness Lab, which is the podcast of Dr. Lori Santos, who teaches the most popular class at Yale in over 300 years about the science of happiness. And I can see why people would want to take that class. And I thought that would be a great fit for our Sunday edition icebreakers. So I said, let's do it. And so we ran the uh, the interview last week. And it went really well. So we're hoping to continue to partner, partner in the future. Yeah, I personally hadn't heard of the Happiness Lab. I've heard of, I think it's the Happiness Project with Gretchen Rubin. And I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of that one. So you definitely introduced me to probably a whole nother podcast that I plan on binging. <laughs> and I love the topic. I'm curious to know what... Um, when you had planned to try to get Malcolm Gladwell onto or, you know, to interview him for an article um, and you decided to reach out, reach out to Pushkin Industries, how did you know who to contact or what was that process like? Yeah, I tried to find 
for you know the bigger people who I don't necessarily know their email. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, I wish I had his email or his phone number, but right? I don't. So <laughs> I for these bigger people, um, I've been sort of targeting my outreach to people who have either podcasts they want to promote or new books coming out or anything like that, that they'd want a little publicity around that we can write up in the intro a little bit to their interview. And, you know, it's it, I hope it's not super transactional, but that's kind of the way things work in the interview business sometimes. So, you know, might as well shoot my shot. So I just decided to go through the podcast for that reason. And also, I just had no other way of contacting him. So I've been, uh, I've been doing that for a variety of, of people who I don't necessarily know who to contact, but I know, you know, their projects and I can try to get in that way. Right. Was there just a general email that you, you sent a message to, or did you actually find um, the publicist? Um, I can look it up and tell you. I, I believe I did email the publicist uh, directly it, Cool. because, you know, I feel, I feel like they're pretty accessible and want you to reach out to them. So I don't think it was this general right. email. I do think I reached out to her directly and seemed like she was the gatekeeper for a bunch of cool people that we wanted to interview. Yeah, that's a dream come true too for a publicist to just receive right. the outreach, you know, from a journal, a journalist, and a reporter, editor. So that is really cool. And um, you know what? It's also it sounds like it would be an obvious thing to advertise, but I know so many companies who fail at putting that information somewhere on their website. So I think it's a really important thing to just put out there in the world, like. Make sure your publicist, your representative for media relations, um, that information is somewhere on the site that's obvious and easy to find. Totally. Um, and I, sorry, I, I'm just looking at my email now and I misspoke earlier. There was a general marketing email that I sent to. I think it was just, mar you know, the uh, a bland marketing at mm -hmm. and I sent the, the email there. So it wasn't to her direct email, but she replied very quickly. That's oh, good. Cool. Black hole. But yes, if her, if her, you know, if anybody's email was was more available, you know, it, you can center the pitch, or at least, you know, I'm. It's sort of the reverse, but I'm centering my pitch on a particular person, and I'd feel way more confident in getting a reply than if I send it to a general, you know, inquiry box or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good lesson. And at a company I used to work for, I was kind of skeptical, like does anyone actually visit the press page? And I was surprised. There was a big number of monthly visitors to that page alone. So mm. people definitely scope out pages like that. So it's cool to hear that, you know, directly from a journalist that that's very useful. So be transparent, guys, and make sure your contact info is out there. Totally. I think whether it's images or contact info or anything about the company, it's really important to have that page. I I know I personally go to those pages on many companies' websites or podcasts or whatever just to get basic information that I don't think I could find anywhere else. That's cool. And this publicist, so when you worked with her on the Malcolm Gladwell interview, it sounded like it was a really pleasant experience. She got back to you right away. Sounds like she continued to be quick at getting back and setting up the interview process and everything. So I'm assuming that went into um, – your willingness, not willingness, but your eagerness to work together again on this second article. 
Um, is there anything else that maybe contributed to your eagerness to work together again? I think that Pushkin has a great roster of people that I'd love to interview. You know, they're the caliber of people that they um, have podcasts with and have partnerships with. I, I just find it to be a super um, tight connection with what our audience is interested in. So um, I think, you know, of course, she was super pleasant to work with and got back to me right away and created just this great experience for us. At the same time, I think she also is sitting on a gold mine with a bunch of amazing people that um, I'd love to interview. So I think it was just like the entire package of great experience and correspondence and um, timely, you know, great performance on on both ends. Like, I think that's a huge factor that we saw, obviously, a great reaction to having Malcolm Gladwell on our uh, in our Sunday edition newsletter. People were super surprised to see that. And it's a great legitimacy factor for us. And then at the same time, they saw a huge, uh, you know, surge in downloads. So uh, for the podcast, so I thought it was just like, a, it, was, it just seemed like a great partnership where everyone's benefiting. Absolutely. And I think before we dive into housekeeping questions around, you know, what your day to day looks like at Morning Brew and um, how you source your stories and whatnot. I'm very curious to know if you have any sp specific tips for publicists who are setting up their clients for interview-based opportunities. Yeah, I think um, knowing what the format and the layout of the interview is like is important and how interviews sort of factor into the larger publication's mission and goals because we don't have or pre pre the Sunday edition icebreakers segment, we didn't have any sort of place for an interview. So if someone pitched me an interview before this, I would have said, you know, that's cool. Maybe we can make it happen. But I don't necessarily have a place for this in our broader ecosystem. You know, our readers aren't really expecting interviews with notable figures. Uh, we can try to make it work. But you know, we are just like, a, at least what I oversee at Morning Brew is just a daily newsletter product that sort of distills the the day's news so it, it wouldn't it would seem a little out of touch if we were you know going through the day's news and then we just had a random interview with Malcolm Gladwell in it so we created the space for the interview and so I think understanding where interviews or any or Q&A's or anything like that fits into the broader media company's plan and ecosystem is critically important so you can say you know, I'd love to. So now people are pitching me for the Sunday edition, which I think is great. Like I have this person for icebreakers and that is just like a very more compelling pitch than just saying I have this person to interview and, you know, and, and sort of leaving it at that. Now I can take that information that they're giving me and like I have a plan and I have a place for that. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. That's really good advice. Is there anything else, Neil, that you wanted to talk about in particular in regards to this story or this aspect of um, the conversation? Well, I guess we can get into it later, but you know, obviously, it speaks to how important relationships are in this in this business. And you know, I'm not the one to you know, I, I haven't been a journalist for very long, and the nature of our product is not that I'm just going out and meeting PR people all the time for for various stories, just because we have such a limited, band, you know, limited scope of our work. It's a short email every day. But the 
people, the publicists that I've developed a relationship with, it, you know, it's, it's so great to be able to just hit reply instead of compose new message. And I mm-hmm. think that's just so important that I found very comfortable in this experience. That's a quote. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> I haven't thought of that before. Uh, yeah, that, that is, that is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> How do you um, suggest publicists maintain those relationships? Any sp- specific tips there? I guess this is going to sound very robotic and calculating, but, you know, providing value, I think, is probably the most important thing. Um, If it was in like a great interview or the person wasn't Malcolm Gladwell to begin with, um, it might not be, you know, so additive to the relationship. But um, because it is a business relationship and I'm looking to get great great content out of it and they're looking to get great publicity out of it. You know, I don't think it would have worked if either one of those pegs didn't fall into place. So, you know, I think you can warm, keep a relationship warm all the time and just say, hey, what's up? And you can have small talk. But if you're not sort of delivering on each other's goals, then I don't think, you know, it's sort of a waste of everybody's time. So, yeah, that's my that's my very like robotic answer. It's okay. It's transparent and actionable and honest. So. And that's appreciated. Uh, Okay, so I am curious if it's okay to go into this. And Jacqueline, please interrupt me if you have any follow-up questions. I know I'm like kind of a chatty Kathy this morning. Oh, that's fine. I'm not much of a morning person, so this helps me a lot. Thank you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So let me think. I am curious, Neil, like you mentioned you haven't been – in journalism for very long. Uh, you have been at Morning Brew, I think, for four years. Is that correct? Yep, I think a little over four years. Four yeah. years. That's pretty cool. That's a long time. Yeah, I was going to say. It's a long time at Morning Brew. It's like almost the entire time. we Everybody, at, you know, we've hired so much over the last year. And so I'm considered the grandpa of, the, <laughs> of it a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it does feel like a long time, but it also feels like nothing. What did you? Yeah, I gotta know. (laughs) What's up? What did you do before Morning Brew? Oh, literally a very random assortment of things. I graduated from Maryland in 2013, and then I taught algebra for a year. I went to graduate school for urban planning and worked in that field for a year. But I always loved the news and making people laugh about it. And I don't, I don't know. I never thought about that as a profession at all. And then I just saw a LinkedIn post from the uh, one of the co-founders at Morning Brew in 2017 saying they were looking for a writer. And I read it, the newsletter at the time, and I, w- I just thought, yeah, I could probably do this. <laughs> so wow. I- <laughs> cool. I love that story. Yeah, sometimes it, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it fell into my lap, but I just happened to be on LinkedIn that day and had an interest That's in news. Perfect. So... Mm-hmm. It it uh it all worked out. Yeah, I think this is sort of what I was meant to do. Did you have writing samples or anything, or did they just trust you because you read the newsletter? Well, there was an app. There was an app. I, they weren't. I they didn't just hire me after I was like, uh, yeah, I think I could do this, yeah. guys. Um, no, I, I wrote a, a sam- couple sample stories, and cool. I had. I didn't do really much writing before applying. I you know, maybe wrote a column or two for the Maryland newspaper and did a couple other things here and there, but it was not something that was like a big part of my life. 
until I just uh, I, I just loved reading the news and distilling it. So it kind of worked out. That's cool. And I think that kind of ties into the advice you gave to publicists earlier that understand the formatting. And that way, when you sell your client or yourself or whatever, whether it's for a future job or just, you know, promoting your client, making sure that you give the roadmap to whoever you're pitching so that they can clearly see the vision. Yeah. And we can get into this later, but my, but the newsletter, like I said, has such limited real estate. There's four to five business stories max and like each day. So the, the top two or three are going to be the massive, massive uh, stories, whether it's inflation or Afghanistan or, you know, whatever huge thing is happening in the world, the, the flooding like that is going to take up the top part of the newsletter. So it has to, and we leave maybe one or two for more, you know, niche stories that of the kind that I'm being pitched each day. So it really has to be like the most compelling thing because we're not in the volume business at Morning Brew. We're not trying to fill up a website at all. We are like a lot of other publishers, you know, they need to churn out content. That's sort of their business model. But ours is very limited in the amount we publish. So whatever is pitched has to be like, it has to basically compete with everything else that is going on in the world that given day. So it's, Jeez. you know, it's definitely, it's definitely a unique, Real time. it's definitely a unique pitch. Um, to a newsletter right editor like me and I, I can maybe you can maybe talk about that a little bit more but it's de- I would say like definitely understanding who you're pitching and what their business model is what how much volume of content they produce each day is, is critically important go ahead and if you want to expound upon that I mean it sounds like competition is really high do you get a lot of pitches I do get a lot of pitches yeah and I will admit most of them I I like delete right away um because again, like I said, it's you're competing against literally the most interesting stories that I can possibly find in a given day. And I have so much limited room for that in the newsletter each day. So it really has to be like, again, it just has to go up against, you know, NFT, you know, whatever huge story is happening. Um, that is what sort of like the PR industry is going against, at least when it comes to Morning Brew, just because we have, you know, only such a limited amount of content we produce each day. And and we are going to produce more content. Like we are hiring more writers and editors to produce articles outside of the newsletter, but that's still, you know, a bunch of months down the road. So right now it's like a pretty vicious, uh, vicious competition to get it into the newsletter. Um, do you ever have like Malcolm Gladwell level publicists pitching you or are those level of interviews usually being sourced by you yourself reaching out to the publicists that you already know or seeking out people you want to interview? Like how often does a good pitch actually come into your inbox and succeed into getting in the newsletter? I mean, less than I would like at this point, obviously, but, um, (laughs) Like for the most part, for the most part, we're doing sort of outreach right now for the for the icebreakers. And, uh, you know, it's been going really well because we can say we have a lot of people. uh, You know, we have a nice roster of people, including like Barbara Corcoran and Andrew Ross Sorkin and Malcolm Gladwell that we can leverage for for the icebreakers segment. So it's been it's 
I, I don't know what our actual hit rate is, but you know, I, I feel relatively bullish each time I send out an email to someone like that I want to get for the interview. And obviously it's still like what th- I'm batting like, th- you know, 300 still, but it's, it's pretty solid. It's just a little more work on the end. If, and if someone wants to send something that, you know, of a very high caliber t- that falls in my lap, you know, I'd love that. I don't think we're there yet as like a product or in terms of awareness. So I do get pitches for icebreakers and we have ran one, I think, in addition to um, Lori Santos, which was the Build-A-Bear CEO, which was a PR uh, inbound for us, uh, for icebreakers, but that's the extent of it. And I would love for, (laughs) I would love for more Malcolm Gladwell uh, caliber level pitches to, to enter my inbox for sure. Uh, hopefully we have listeners that represent celebrities, but we can't yeah, make any problems. Up. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> we'll put your say, email uh, in the story notes. You'll you'll get in front of 3.2 million people and uh, it's it's a really good time. So I, I hope you are listening and you can get my email in the show notes probably. Yeah. I actually want to know like what tips do you have for people framing up a pitch? Yeah. So I, I was just looking through beforehand and the ones that I deleted and the ones that remain in my inbox. And honestly, one person just wrote the name of a potential guest in the subject line and that was it. And (laughs) and, and that was super effective because to me, it's all about for this interview segment, it's all about name recognition. You know, we, we do, we do want, you know, sometimes some under the radar people for sure that, you know, could surprise people about, um, who, you know, they're in- the interesting things they're working on. Like, I think we featured the TikTok bee lady at one point. So if that person was in, if, if you just wrote their name in the subject line, then I would have no idea what you were talking about, but I still found it to be an interesting person to interview. But if you're pitching a, you know, a really, you know, A or B list guest for the this segment, honestly, just writing their name, like, do you want to interview blank or blank? You know, I think that would be the most effective thing. And in general, I think for any PR pitch for Morning Brew right now, it's about like really showing the value, as I mentioned, and and getting that name recognition in there just because of the the competition. I like that. Um, yeah, be brief and brief. <laughs> straightforward. Straightforward, yeah. Just it was literally the name, and I was like, I this person's interesting to me, so I I clicked in. You and- know what? I want that person's job, whoever represents them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, you're not, not everyone is going to have that at their disposal. But um, no. <laughs> I obviously just found it from, from my perspective, that was a yeah. very effective way to, to, to reach me. Um, when it comes to prep work, do you usually send the questions in advance? I, you know, what? it's been like a mixed bag. Sometimes I do. Sometimes they're just like, let's wing it. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, it really depends on the person. Also, this is okay. not a gotcha interview in any, in any way, shape or form. We're just kind of on, honestly trying to impart some lessons to our readers. So sometimes I will, I will, I'll definitely prep questions, you know, either way, obviously, but um, sometimes I do send it and sometimes, like Malcolm Gladwell and Lori Santos, were uh, written interviews. So I just kind of oh, emailed okay. them the questions, and they emailed me back, and then we, uh, you know, called it called it a day. 
Nice. That's nice. That's really nice because I feel like sometimes journalists don't want to give up questions or if we bother asking, like, how can I help you prepare? Sometimes they don't always take it the right way. Um, I don't know about your experience, Britt, but it's always been like, you know, treading lightly on who we think might want to, you know, collaborate on the preparation stage and who just wants to, like, make sure it's a cold interview like not even gotcha but just wanting them wanting it to be as authentic as possible and sometimes it's not always helpful for the publicist when they want to go that route because you know clients don't always prepare in advance and then act confused when they get at an interview like what is this for (laughs) yeah I I totally think it depends on the format too I some of these questions are like legitimate icebreaker questions and I um, you know, it's like, what would you write on a giant billboard? And I don't think I would have a great answer for that if I couldn't think about it ahead of time. But but yeah. you know, I do obviously sympathize with the journalist saying like, you probably get better content out of the person if they, you know, don't have some canned answer ready. And uh, I've, I, I'm trying to think whether the interviews have been better, you know, written or written ahead of time, or if I just like on the phone with them. And I, I don't think I can say like one or the other has been better. Um, there have been, you know, great ones and maybe more duds in, in both ways. Do you collaborate on a Google Doc or this is a really tactical question, but I'm, That's okay. I'm, I'm curious. curious. For the written interviews, I honestly just copy the questions into uh, the email body and then some, oh, okay. I, I get it. Typically, I either get it back in that format with the answers written below or in a, or they put into a Google Doc. Interesting. Yeah, I'm always curious to know like if journalists dislike that I'm sending over a Google Doc or not for security purposes or anything like that. So it's good to know. Yeah, I don't think you'll get you'll go wrong at all ever sending a Google Doc to anybody. Nice. That is my preferred, I don't know, tool. Same. <laughs> Pretty simple Same. here. <laughs> Same here. Um, hmm, these are really good answers and we're diving into aspects of, I don't know, PR and journalism that we really haven't covered before. We really haven't done an interview-based episode. Yeah, or a newsletter. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was one more thing that I realized was different. But yeah, I think those are the two main ones. Mm-hmm. I do think the newsletter is a huge differentiator, um, as I talked about. And uh, a lot of newsletter publishers have very limited space, but at the same time, they have often really loyal and captive audiences. So, you know, I do think it it is wise to go after newsletter editors like myself. I'm not just trying to talk myself up at all, but um, it uh, I do think it is, you know, I, when I'm thinking about how Morning Brew is going to distribute our content when we create more website-based and it's not just in the newsletter and longer, longer form content, like I'm just thinking to myself, how are we gonna get this out to people and so I'm thinking like a publicist and I'm, you know, I know the power of newsletters. And so I'm thinking about all of the newsletter editors that I know, and I'm going to try to make our content and I know how tough it is to get into their, their newsletters. So I'm thinking about, you know, how can we make our content so good that another newsletter editor with their limited space is going to, you know, use our content over basically anything else that they could. So that's definitely a part of my strategy too. That's really, really cool. Uh, I'm going to shout out to an old interview with Rand Fishkin where he makes the argument that um, 
not to go after vanity plays like the Wall Street Journal if it doesn't make sense. And it's oftentimes these, um, whether it's a newsletter or a very niche website, um, these highly engaged audiences that are just hungry for good content, that's where you should aim mm-hmm. to try to place your client in. And I think you touch on that when you mentioned the power of newsletters. So what is the power of the newsletter? And yeah, can you just expound upon that a little more? Just from my perspective, you know, we have people's attention every morning at, you know, for five minutes of the day. And we try to make every single sentence, every word, every headline, every link to be like the most valuable thing possible because there is, you know, people have limited time in the day and we we don't need to add any fluff to anything. So we're not going to. We, um, we write a five news stories out in like 150 to 200 word blurbs. We have like a quote unquote, what else is brewing section, which is like a sort of a link dump of other news items that we, uh, that we found, but didn't necessarily need to write, you know, expound upon. Maybe it's just like a simple story that can be told in one sentence and you can click out if you want to learn more. And then we have a few other, other sections, whether it's, you know, lifestyle recommendations, like here's a cool Reddit thread on people who, you know, regret X or Y or like the best things they learn, like sort of, we've, Similar to why I thought that uh, Lori Santos would be such a good interview as our audience is very interested in personal development and advancing their careers. So we've laid into that in, in a newsletter section. And then we have a puzzle section as well. So I don't know. I think we there's no room for any fluff. Um, and we want every single thing that we do to be super value add to the audience. And then when you look at the click throughs, if we tell somebody to go read something because we found it to be interesting, you know, you'll have tens of thousands of people clicking on it. So it's pretty cool to see. Wow. Do you have high numbers? Yeah. Do you ever take suggestions for those what else is brewing sections or do you purposely just Mm. seek out yourself? Or what recommendations? (laughs) I'm thinking ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I do. uh, Most of the time I I just, you know, search a bunch of the big websites that I see cross-reference them to see like what is the most uh what is the most interesting stories of the day that everyone's covering um and I kind of just pick pick one of the publishers to to link to so I don't really take any particular pitches for for that section either okay cool no but that's that's good to know Mm -hmm. um that's so cool that like that is really amazing I would think um in just thinking about the data that you have access to, because I know that like online publishers on websites also track click through rates and mm-hmm. uh, time on page. But I think that there is something special about having that um, newsletter data. And like you said, you're, you're going right into their inbox and being able to see what they're most interested in and what links they actually click, click through that can help inspire probably more stories for you to source in the future. Like, and like you said, it kind of helped um, informed that Lori would be a good guest. So pretty yeah. cool. I like that. Um, do you have any <laughs> negative horror stories? Like anything that a publicist has done that you're like, weren't happy about? Um, not necessarily any horror stories, just maybe a lot of people I've ignored over the years, but, um, <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> yeah, nothing, For nothing, publicist. Nothing yeah, is 
Well, a lot of times that we get em- like embargoed pitches, you know, like you can't publish it till a certain time. And that is really tough for us because we send our newsletter out really early in the morning. So, you know, saying something can't be released until even 6 a.m. is too late because we do subject line testing and it goes out at 5 a.m. originally. So that has been sort of tough um, over over time to say, like, maybe this would be a cool piece of news to include. But, you know, if we can't publish it at the time that our um, newsletter goes out, then it sort of like doesn't really work. Um, so that's something that's been. I don't know, a little, a little point of friction and just another additive, you know, challenge to work through. Do you ever think about publishing it the next day or would it just be old news at that point? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the news itself isn't that compelling that, you know, we, we revisit the day, the next day, if it wasn't like the most immediate thing. So I, I don't remember or recall any time I've just been like, okay, well, it can't go out at 8am, but I guess I could put it in the next day. Maybe I've, Maybe I've included that once or twice, but not really in any quantity. So what's your schedule like? like I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> are you tired right now? <laughs> yeah, I've been up since two. No, uh, it's actually a lot more standard than you think, but just elongated oh. from nine to five to like 730 to whenever. Um, because we do business news and we're not covering every single, you know, fire or robbery or anything that happens late at night. Uh, we do have the luxury of just sort of taking what happens during business hours for the most part. That has um, that's been perfectly fine. So I think of it like a newspaper where we, you know, make it over the course of the afternoon. We write the newsletter over the course of the afternoon and then we set it to publish um, the next morning at five. And we do that the night before. Sometimes it leaks into the night a little longer than I would be happy with sometimes we're done at like 6 30 and I'll just you know be by my phone obviously and if I get any push notifications about whatever's happening and we needed to add it to the newsletter I'll go in a little later and add add anything we need so you know I'm really keen on our readers not missing anything that's happening so I will definitely add it if anything happens over the course of the night but I'm, I'm in bed by midnight and then I wake up the next morning and the newsletter is hit in boxes. So if anything happens from, you know, midnight to, to 4.30, it's really not going to be in the newsletter. Um, but we think that's okay because we think of it as like, you know, a newspaper. And when I got the newspaper in the morning when I was a kid, the West Coast baseball games weren't in the newsletter because they set it to print, you know, at 11 p.m. And you know, we've sort of followed that model and are trying to get readers off the flywheel of checking their news every single second. I don't think they want that either. Shoot, I had a really good question. Do you all have a, um, are you all remote or do you go into the office? We're remote. Yeah, since March. Um, okay. We, which has been, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, we, yeah. nothing has changed. We've hired a bazillion people while remote and now, you know, interviewing people remote and onboarding remote is just sort of second nature. And it's what we do. Mm-hmm. I think we have plans to go back to the office at some point soon. Um, I don't think it'll be like a full five days for people. I think we'll probably do a remote uh, or like a, a flexible hybrid, hybrid. approach. Um, you know, I think it's it's working obviously fine. The company's growing. We're producing high quality content and we can collaborate via Slack, but I just don't know what we're missing if we if we weren't in the office and what ideas would have come up if we were all 
in a room together rather than all on uh, Google Hangouts, like on other tabs during the course of a meeting. Or is that just me? Um, so yeah, we, uh, it's been, it's been fine for what it is, obviously a lot better than anybody would have thought when we left originally and a lot longer than we thought when we left originally, but you know, it'd be nice to go back and, and see people face to face. I think that's, uh, it's, that's fun. Um, yeah. Did you make this con artist matrix? I didn't know. Ah, I love that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That was Toby, <laughs> our, uh, our Twitter guy. I've been, I you know, it was all him. He he crushed it, and uh, that, yeah, Elizabeth <laughs> home Elizabeth home content. You know, people people really love that. So we're trying to we're trying oh, to. I love a little bit. <laughs> That was my impression of her. We've been oh, I was like, what was that? <laughs> that was her. Yeah. Oh, I love you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, oh God, really good. Thank you. Um, no, this is cool. I bet. Team Moonlights as a impersonator. <laughs> to, thank you. Uh, I guess to tie it into being in office, it would be nice probably. Like, do you guys do creative meetings together and stuff like virtually? Is that one of the things that maybe works better in person is to come up with fun creative ideas? I don't know. I'm just trying to tie it into so it doesn't seem out of left field what I just throughout there <laughs> yeah no I think um I, I just don't know because I forget what it was like you know 18 months ago but I do yeah. find that I've had you know various one-off conversations or or in-person meetings with people on the team and like dinners or happy hours whatever and we sort of get to talking about work obviously and then we start like throwing ideas back and forth and I think inevitably, I always just think, you know, what if we were doing this more often and what what could come out of, of this? Because I've just sat with them for hours and we've gone back and forth of just tossing out different things we could do. And there's just a different energy than when you're behind your computer and, and doing and, you know, brainstorming, which we yeah. do. And it's fine. We don't use any, you know, fancy like brains. I know there's probably like fancy brainstorming software that's out there where you can simulate a whiteboard or whatever it is like post-it notes or sticky notes or whatever but um we just kind of just talk it out and you know write our ideas up on a google doc but i do find when i meet with people in person there's just like an extra extra layer of like inspiration and motivation and playing off of one another that you don't get makes sense oops um and then you're a managing editor I, these are rapid fire questions i guess uh the, so you're a managing editor how does that differ from senior editor? It always confuses me a little bit. Like, what are your responsibilities versus? I don't know. I don't know that <laughs> how the title shake out. To be honest. Oh, okay, cool. So it doesn't. Okay. I don't even like saying it because I I don't even know what it means to me. But um. Okay, that's a good. My idea. my job is to you know make sure the newsletter goes out every day and it's like eleven out of ten. That's the way I think about it. Okay. Um, I definitely have my hands in like a bunch of other things at the company just because I've been there so long. And so I'd love helping out with our new TikTok channel. I love helping Toby out on the Twitter. Um, I love just like helping brainstorm higher level things. And uh, but I've always just come back to the newsletter each day. It's like really what I'm so passionate about. And it's a little crazy because we do it seven days a week. So it's like a crazy grind. And I feel like someone takes a sledgehammer to my brain every single day. Um, but I, I just love it. And if you, if you asked me, so like 10 years ago, whether I would, if I could just be sending a newsletter out to people that puts a spin, puts a, like a funny and lighthearted spin on the news, I would 
I would definitely take it in a second. So yeah, I've just been, uh, yeah, I, I love doing the newsletter every day. And then when time allows, just helping out where I can around the business. That's cool. Wait, so seven days a week? Yeah, I mean, we do the Sunday edition is sort of it's our magazine, quote unquote. So uh, we we set it to go out on Friday and it's not necessarily tied to the previous day's business news. Oh, okay. So I don't. So Saturday is kind of like my my big day off. And then Sunday, I wake up early in the morning, try to write as much of the Monday newsletter as I can watch football and then sort of come back to it later at night. Cool. I don't have anything witty to say about football. I'm not. <laughs> No, I mean, it's what just like, that's just my like Except it's like preseason, I think. It's, it's what? Yeah, I, I meant yeah. when we're, we're coming up. That's that when I think of Sundays, I, I do think yeah. of football. So I try to get yeah. the newsletter done as much as possible before the games football. come on so I can kind of relax and not think about it. And then at, at the end, when my Philadelphia Eagles lose, I, I go back and <laughs> uh, just try to tidy up the newsletter. <laughs> cool. Well, good luck to them this season for the Eagles. <laughs> They're going to be terrible, but it's okay. <laughs> I don't have any more questions. <laughs> I think, Neil, unless you have anything else important that you wanted to share with our listeners, I think it's a good time to go into shout outs if you have any of those prepared. If, if not, we can totally just end it on that um, kind of football note. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously where this podcast went. Um, no, I don't really, I honestly, like I said, I don't have a ton of relationships with PR people, except, uh, you know, I obviously talked about what our, our relationship with Nicole and how, how that's been earlier. So to me that I don't, I can't think of another one that would make sense for, for this. So, Well, we'll make sure to give Nicole a nice shout out. All right. Well, this has been really, really, I think it's been interesting. I think it's been a really perfect episode to kick off season four because it's new and fresh a lot of what we covered is new and fresh so thank you so much for your time neil thank Thank you 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 have you have great podcast voice and this is a lot of fun oh yes brit is brit's voice that we put out our (laughs) (laughs) i think it's because we're doing this early in the morning if you caught me later in the afternoon i'm a bit more like amped up and she's being we but put up the trailer you. and people were like, ooh, that girl's voice is nice. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very sweet. Oh my God, I'm blushing. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.